Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. I want to talk to you. There's a saying we have about making a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Um, I don't know if we use those terms. Maybe I'm showing my age, but I think what it means is we're going to try and turn something really brilliant out of something that's not so brilliant. That it, There's a dichotomy in that because it actually is brilliant. We just don't think it is. And I'm talking about um, if, if this was a, a food conference, I'd say we're talking about broccoli. All right. You sort of know it's good for you, but you don't want to eat it. Am I right? I'm 62. They, they always told me that when I grew up, I'd like broccoli. Well, I still don't. I just eat it because I know it's good for me. I've learned what it does, and so I do it. And so I'm reaping the benefits of it. And so as a Christian, uh, you know, stand up if you don't think you're supposed to pray when you become a Christian. I think so. We've all worked that out. Now stand up if you think you pray enough. Please don't stand up because the only person that probably would stand up there is the person that doesn't pray at all. One thing I know about anybody who prays is that they know they don't pray enough. Do you know the person that had one piece of candy? What did you know about them? They want more. In fact, you have something, what Pastor Ann's called a s'more. And um, in fact, I was with you and Pastor John one day when, when I was introduced to s'mores. Uh, am I right? Do we, do we know what they are? And um, so I said to Pastor Anna at the time, it would have been maybe near 20 years ago, I said, s'more, it's a funny name. Does that stand for some more? She said, I'm not sure, but I'll look it up. I don't know if we had Google back then or an encyclopedia, but we looked it up and it's exactly what it stands for. It's shortened for some more because when you had one, you knew that you wanted to have another. And I will tell you now that when you learn the power of prayer, you will learn that I need to do some more of that. But look, here's some rules. I, I need to stop for a second and look at the camera and, and welcome the online service. It is great to have you with us, and um, I'm going to speak very slowly so that you understand me, that's for sure. So great to have you with us online. Can we give the online service a great hand? Come on, put your hands together. That's great. We're looking forward to you coming down and joining us here in person sometime real soon. Here's the rules. When you're a kid, you can be told what to do. Like my son, before he was 12... I say, hey, come inside. He'd just come. I thought, this parenting's magnificent. And then I'd say, no, no, get your foot off the table. He'd just take it off the table. But then when they get to an age, now help me parents, I don't know, is it 10, 12, when suddenly things change, you can't tell them what to do, you've got to tell them why. So I don't know what age it is, but he's, he's got his foot up there on the table. I say, hey, take your foot off the table. Why? Yeah, and so you go the easy route. You say, because I said. And he said, why? <laughs> and I thought, who's been talking to my son? Where did he change? So I say, son, take your foot off the table. Why? Because I said, why? Because I'm your father. Why? I married your mother. Why? <laughs> now we're starting to make some sense. 
So rather than tell you as a Christian, you should pray um, with with the old preacher's finger, what I thought we'd do today is have a look what would happen if you do, okay? And then you decide whether you're going to pray when we're finished. I've got a chair on stage because um, some Christians call this devotion. Some people call it quiet time. Um, some people call it closet. Um, but I'm calling it 15 minutes in the chair. It's just a way to connect with Jesus. I do this most mornings. Now, you need to note it's a metaphor. It doesn't have to be a chair. Some of you like to walk when you're talking to God. And, um, and now, it also doesn't have to be 15 minutes. It can be six All you spiritual people thought I was going to say, it can be an hour. Well, it can be an hour, but it can be six. It can be 15 minutes. Listen, if you don't pray too much right now, Pastor, and is it okay? I'm going to tell you, don't start praying for an hour. That's like someone who never jogged once starting the Boston Marathon. Just run to the letterbox and back and, and build it up from there. But what it is, it's an opportunity to connect with God. Look at me. Would you go to work and not talk to the boss about what perhaps he'd like you to do today? I think not. And yet as Christians sometimes, we'll go for weeks and months without meaningfully sitting down and submitting our lives to Father God and asking for his help, for his direction. I've got a newsflash for you. We work for him. He doesn't work for us. He's not our big daddy to push around. And so I'd like to talk to you today about what would happen if you pray. Now, here's another thing that I want you to do. We've got to just get some things off the table. We're going to use an example from Scripture. We're going to have a look at their life and and see how it worked out. The problem with the person, the case study we have is we're going to use Jesus. And that presents a problem because that's like saying that you should play tennis like Roger Federer. I am old enough to remember some of us, put your hand if you remember when we used to do the WWJD. All right, what would Jesus do? And we'd wear these wristbands, if you're not familiar, we'd wear these wristbands with WWJD. And so when we were presented with a circumstance and um, we didn't know what to do, we would, well, what would Jesus do? We should do that. Well, the trouble with that is it's like being on a tennis court wearing a what would Roger Federer do? So that's a problem. I know what Roger Federer would do. I'm just not Roger Federer. You know, I tried to stretch and do a backhand and did a hemi. (laughs) And so we need to break this down and I need to show you something very important. Now, Pastor Anna, I'm going to... I'm looking at you thinking you're probably the most learned biblical scholar in the room. So I want everybody to look at Pastor Anna for, for, um, I'm going to make a theological statement and if I am wrong, I'm going to invite Pastor Anna to stand up. And that way all you need to do is look to Pastor. If she stays seated, I can keep preaching. Here's my first statement. Jesus was 100% God. Well, yeah, you're saying amen, but I don't care. Pastor Anna's still seated. That's what's important to me. So I'm doing okay. But here's the controversial bit. Keep that thought. Jesus is 100% God. Now listen to this. Jesus is 100% a man. Is she standing? 
good. I'm still going. So we've got to have a look at that. How, how, how are you saying, how can you be 100% God and 100% man? I'll help you. Illustrations don't do, you know, they don't tell at all, but they will help you. See, I'm Steve. I'm a father, a hundred percent. I have a daughter, Rebecca. She's 40. I have a daughter, Renee. She's 37. I have a daughter, Rachel. She's 34. And I have a son, Andy. He's 30. I'm a hundred percent a dad. I'm Steve. I'm a hundred percent a husband. I met Susie when I was 13 years old. I asked her out when I was 16 years old. She said no. So I asked her out again and again and again. And the first time she got drunk and said, yes, I married her. (laughs) Well, she didn't get drunk. I told her fib. But uh, we got married when I was 18 years old because I thought I better marry her before she changes her mind. So for 44 years, I have been a husband. Now, ask us, am I 50% a father and 50% a husband? No, I'm Steve, and I manifest 100% as a husband, and I manifest 100% as a father. Can I give you some illustrations? Father, Saturday morning at the soccer, when my son's like 11, I'm that dad. You know, that embarrassing dad, the one they made rules about parents at soccer games for, you know. And so I'm there, I talk to the referee. He doesn't talk back, he just yellow cards me. And, but I say, come on, ref, come on, come on. You, you, did you see my son? I run, down the, I run down the length of the field, you know, yelling about, that's my boy, that's my boy. Did you see that kick? That's awesome. And all of the people are in the stands. And they're all starting, they're asking, trying to locate who is this guy. And so all the the wives are all looking at each other and one by one they're going, not mine, not mine, not mine, till my wife Susie's the only one left. So what does she say? He's that boy's father. (laughs) Come on, have I got some friends? She totally disowns me. I'm not her husband. I'm that boy's father. (laughs) But then sometimes I manifest as just a husband. I'm thinking of the time we went to the Caribbean for our wedding anniversary. I packed light, speedos. Children, don't care if the Martians just took them back to their spaceship. Don't have any. Not interested. Did I call home? No. For six days, I am nothing. I don't care if they've moved overseas. I don't care if someone's taken them up to Iceland. I don't care. For this six days, I'm a husband. But I'm Steve. So in the same way, we've got Jesus... Scripture manifests him, shows us to him as God. But there are other places in Scripture where Jesus is shown for our benefit as 100% human. And it's from this manifestation of Jesus I want us to take our lesson.
Not the God Jesus where you'd think he'd get a shortcut, you know. He's got a hotline to God. No, we're talking Jesus that put off his heavenly authority and walked on the earth as you and I walk. And this representation or manifestation of Jesus is where we're going to take our lesson. And it's not going to be you should pray. It's let's have a look what happens when a person, a man or a woman, a teenager, a businessman, a single mum, when they pray and appeal to heaven, what happens when this takes place? And then you decide whether you might want to find 15 minutes in a chair or 20 minutes to walk in the early hours of the morning or half an hour to stay up late when everyone else has retired for the evening to open your Bible and to have a talk to Heavenly Father. The story that we're going to read comes from Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The story is recorded in each of them and it's worth a read in all of them. But for time's sake, Pastor Anna, I'm going to try this. If it works, well, let's see if it works. I'm going to start in Matthew, but then I'm going to let it dovetail, and then I'm going to let, like a relay race, I'll let Mark take some of the journey, and then he'll hand on to Luke, and we'll let John finish it off. And we'll see if we can do that with a degree of synergy um, or seamlessness. So here it comes. We're starting in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to put it on the screen for you. And it goes here, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Now, I'm not going to interrupt more than just this last one time. The events we're about to read take place about within a 24-hour window of Jesus being falsely accused and marched to the crucifixion where we know he made sacrifice for us to God for our sin. But he's human and he feels all the pain that he goes through and all the responsibility that is upon him. He feels it and I think you'll see it in what we read. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove grove called Gethsemane and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. There's our subject. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John. So here's a man going to pray about a challenge upcoming. And he's asked a couple of friends to join him in the burden. Now let's let Mark continue the story. Chapter 14, verse 33 says, He took Peter, James and John, there's our dovetail, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. I have to stop there. You see, I took the time to let you know that we're talking about Jesus manifest as a man, not God. God is not troubled. God is not distressed. Your God is not hiding behind a bush, scared to come out because the challenge is too big. We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of heaven. It says... He became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, which is a Greek word. 
I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean, oh, mighty God, gracious heavenly Father. <laughs> it's not formal. This word Abba means this, Dad! That's what it means. Listen, young lady, when you crashed your car and you rang your father, you didn't say, oh, Father, yes, what? What, what? No, you rang and you said, Dad! That's the term here. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. We're going to hand the baton to Luke, chapter 22. Verse 42 is that line we just prayed, not my will but yours. And then verse 43, we pick it up, says, Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last, he stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray. Oh, if there's a word of God to the church today, it's get up and pray. I hope, I hope that by the end of our short time together that you'll see there's benefit in this command. Matthew 6 says, when you pray. It doesn't say if you pray. It doesn't say if you get time. It says when. When I even get to... It also says when you fast, not if. But we'll stick with prayer for now. Get up and pray so that you do not give in to temptation. Verse 47, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas... One of the 12 disciples, Reed, one of his best friends. Judas walked over to him, to Jesus, to greet him with a kiss. Now let's let John, the Apostle John, finish it off. So Judas is coming with the mob. And look at verse 4 of chapter 18. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward to meet the mob, the crowd that was coming. He said this, who are you looking for? He asked. They said, Jesus the Nazarene. I'll have you, I'll I'll note he did not correct them. He did not say, I'll have you know I'm Jesus the son of God. They said, we're looking for a man. And he said, you found the man you're looking for. But this man's now got the power of God in him because he prayed. This man went into prayer asking a few friends to hold his hands to help share the burden. This man's coming out of prayer and the crowd's coming towards him. And he says, it says he stepped forward and said, who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. He said, I am he. And have a look. Verse 6 says, Jesus said, I am he. They all drew back and fell to the ground. Have a look here. Just look at me for a moment. I want you to see what happened. They said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, yeah, that's me. They said, because that's a man who prayed. That's a man who went in asking someone to hold his hand. That's a man that came out and stood up to his responsibility, stood up to his mission. He stood, I never promised you a rose garden, I think someone once said. Along with the sunshine, there's going to be a little rain, a little pain, a little rain. But the man or the woman that goes to pray can come out and stand up 
to it and watch it submit itself to the purposes of God. It says they drew back and fell to the ground. I love it. Jesus thought, well, I'm on the roll now. Have a look at it here. So he went and said, I asked you who you're looking for. Look, have a look here. You've got to see this because now he's going like this. I asked you who you're looking for. And they're all on the ground going, well, we're looking for Jesus, but oh, maybe he's someone else. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. And I can see all of his godness being contained by discipline because of the mission to take humanity to the cross. But it leaked out just a little and heaven put them on their back. Oh, Jesus, I know that you are wanting to put circumstances on their backside for people right here, people online that are listening to me right now. In the name of Jesus, he wants to leak out of your prayer and put circumstance and challenge in its place. It's what happens when you pray. And again, they replied, we're looking for Jesus in verse 8. I told you I'm him. And look at this, look at this last line. And Jesus said, since I'm the one you're looking for, let these others go. The man that went into prayer, I think you'll see, who needed some friends to hold his hands, was happy to walk out and say, I got this. I got this. I got God. I got this. Let these people go. You do not know how brilliant you are. You do not know how brave you are. You do not, not know how authoritative you are until you take the time. It's almost incongruent that all of this power could come from something so innocuous. Just a man in a garden with some friends at a slumber party. But he was there to meet Father God. And for the man or woman who'll get up early or stay up late to find, as I'm saying, 15 minutes in the chair, read a psalm, read a verse, read a miracle. And let the power of God get into your life and into your soul and into your words and into your step and into your stand. When you come out of that room, friend, I'm here to tell you, the world hasn't seen that person yet. But I think they're going to. Because I think people are out in this audience, people online are going to decide, you know what? Now, I've not understood See, you can, have a, you can have a gun and not know what it does, but once you learn its aim and you learn its capabilities, you're a different individual. And you might have done it, you, but you think, oh, well, I guess I have to, but now I'm letting you know what happens just when you do. There are five things that Jesus did, and we'll be brief. It's, each one is a, is a study. But here's the first thing that I see happened when Jesus went to pray. It's I accept, and I'm personalising this, I accept God's will over mine. Look, I've I I got seven sisters and four brothers, and uh, I've got a lot of opinions. I don't have to know much about a subject to, to be an authority. I'm not alone on that. If you're a human being, then you've got opinions about stuff. You didn't have to study them to have opinions. That's okay. But I found Jesus had them... Dad, I know anything's possible for you. So listen, this is how I think this should go. There's got to be another way. Now, I'm being a little simple with it, but that's the language here. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Please, 
Take this away from me. From before the foundation of the world, the scriptures have told us that this moment was coming. And yet here we have the humanity of Christ asking, is there another way? What I'm about to tell you is utterly trivial compared to that. But we are faced with these decisions all the time. Pastor Anna, when I was a young pastor, I was 30 when I first pastored a church. And the first Christmas, the eldership of the church gave me a Christmas card. Have you ever had a Christmas card that just felt weighty? Like, I want to open this. This is like, hello. I think there could be something in here. And so as soon as I got back to my office, I opened it and there was $1,000 in there. We're talking the 18th century. This is like a lot of money. Now, I'm one of 12 kids. I'm a welfare kid. I had never seen, I don't believe, Pastor and I had ever seen that much money in one place that was designated for me. I'd seen that much money, but it was mostly going to other people. This was for me. Now all those things I told the kids we could buy them for Christmas can actually happen. Here's the problem. No sooner did I get it in my hand, but I felt that whisper that you, brother and sister, feel from time to time. I think you should donate that back. I thought, get, on my, get off my bus, mate. Have you, help me, have you ever found the Holy Spirit is really, really generous with, like, your stuff? Yeah, like, hey, I, I don't think I can say the word I'm thinking of. Off. Starts with B. Got a couple of G's in it. Go sell your own stuff, mate. This was given to me by the elders. Now, look at me. I've got a trump card I haven't told you about. I've got to go home and tell my wife that God wants us to give the thousand bucks away, and I know, because she's from Scotland that we'll have to be in unity, and so it'll never be happening. So I thought, all's good. I said, God, look, I'll do it if Susie says, okay, because you've got to be in unity. It was given to us, not just me. So I went home, and I said, mate, I had some swagger, because if it was ever a time I was glad I had a Scottish wife, it's today. <laughs> this is the land of short arms and deep pockets. All right. So I walked in and said, hey, sweetheart, guess what? She said, what? I said, the eldest gave us $1,000 for Christmas. She said, that's lovely. I said, yeah, but guess what? She said, what? I said, I felt the Holy Spirit said I should give it back. Now I know what she's going to say. No. Ify, fi, fo, fum, and all the rest of it. <coughs> to my... Horror! She said, you should pray about it. <laughs> no! I don't want to! Am I, come on, am I right? There are things you don't want to pray about because you've decided. You've decided you're leaving that job that you were telling us a year ago, God got you! Because someone parked in your car park. Have, I'm going to leave my husband. Oh, you've prayed about that, I guess. Knock yourself out. You've prayed about it. 
The Bible says, whatsoever things you desire while you pray. I'm going to punch my neighbour. Yeah, pray about that. Whatsoever things you desire while you pray, Mark 11. We think that says, whatsoever things you desire, just go and pray. Doesn't say that. It says, whatsoever things you desire while you pray. Susie said, go and pray about it, so I had to go and pray about it. And I'm not wanting to pray about that. I've already made up my mind. But I see a power of prayer here that when Jesus... See, take your opinion to... the. To, it's not, I've had, look, Pastor Anna, I know this is, I've had a guy come to see me in my church. He said, oh, me, me, me and my missus, we're not getting on, on oh, but I like the secretary at work. So I said, no prob, go pray about it. He said, no prob. I said, no, I didn't say no prob. I said, no prob, go pray about it. If you can go and pray about that and come back and tell me you still think that's a good idea, who am I? I promise you, you pray about that according to God's word, you're going to come out with a different opinion. Jesus said, please, Father. But he ended up by saying, but not my will, yours be done. So come on, have a rant about your boss. Tell God what you think about the president. But at the end of it, say, but God, not my will, yours be done. Second thing I see is this. Have a look at this. It says here, when we pray, we invoke the help of heaven. Have a, have a look at Luke 22, verse 42. Luke, Luke 24, 42, it says this, 22, 42 says, not my will yours be done. Now have a look at verse 43, the very next verse. As soon as he surrendered his will, this is the next verse. Then an angel appeared from heaven. Listen, friend, if you're not prepared to surrender your will to God... And I'm Pastor Anna. Look, if you're visiting, come next week. Pastor John's a really nice, friendly guy. But I've got to tell you what this says. If, you, if you're not going to surrender your will to God, good luck. But here's someone that surrendered their will to God, and the next thing that happened was then an angel turned up. Can you understand the perspective change? When an angel turns up, you saw this, now there's this. I, I, this happened. Pastor Anna, we had a lady in our church. I know the names. I should protect the people because of online and stuff. But the husband left the wife. We, we were all shocked. There was no other party involved. We weren't sure what happened. And that's just all I need to tell you. But he's gone. Here's the important no one knows where he is. There are 8 billion people on the planet. I was in my country 48 hours ago. In 48 hours, I can be here on the other side of the world. We do not know where he went. He has gone. About three weeks later, within a month, I go to another country, the country of New Zealand. It's three hours air flight from my hometown. I went over there to um, have some time to pray myself about things in my own world and leadership life. When I got there, I was called by a friend um, named David, and David's son had just died. And David said, hey, Steve, I heard you're in the country. I said, yeah. He said, is there a chance we could have coffee? Lean in. When you just got a call from a friend whose son just died, 
You've got time. Yeah? I said, David, you tell me where you are, and if I can get there, man, I'm coming. I don't know if we've got any New Zealanders here, um, but I was in a place called Waihe, and he wanted to meet me in a place called Matamata. And so I had to go either through Tauranga or back up through Pyrola. There was two options. I don't know why I went Tauranga. I assume it's because I had a fast car and the roads were winding. I thought that way will be fun. But I decided to go that way. Because I was driving a fast car, the gas tank emptied fairly quickly, so I soon needed to fill up. I don't know why I chose that gas station over that one, that one, that one, or that one, but I just chose that one. I don't know why out of 10 Bowsers I pulled up at pump eight. In my country, you pump your own gas. We have no New Jersey in Australia. When I got into this gas station, I just got out to pump my gas. And to my surprise, people pump the gas for you in this town. And so I'm walking around the car. I don't even know where the flap for the gas tank is. So I'm looking like this. And then suddenly I get here and I see a pair of shoes almost in front of mine. And so I just looked up and I'm staring into the eyes of the man in our church that we can't find. God sent his pastor not just some random Christian giving out a tract on a street corner, God sent his own pastor who was over there for other things that decided to attend to a friend's personal need, decided to go that way as an alternative, decided to stop at that gas station, decided to stop at that gas pump. And I'm staring into a man that a lady's in a chair praying for. And I can only imagine that she's praying a prayer Perhaps a little bit like, Lord, I don't know what I've got to do to be the wife that he'd want. And I'm not suggesting she had any fault, but I'm just suggesting in a situation like that she just laid herself bare to God and said, God, whatever I've got to do, your will be done. Boom! An angel turned up. You have no idea the authority you have in heavenly places. If you would just get yourself a chair, and the chair's a metaphor, go for a walk, do what you've got to do. I don't think you understand how brilliant you are. I don't think you understand that when your name is mentioned in the corridors of heaven, a hundred angels get up and say, is he praying? Is there something for us to do? No. Oh, false alarm. He just yawned. Is he sitting in the chair? Oh, he's just getting out the Weetabix. I'm here to tell you, friend. Calamity averted. Woman prays. God sends angel in the form of an ugly pastor. When he saw me, I said, I'll call him Bill. I said, Bill! Because I got a fright. He went, pastor! And I said, quick, put that gas nozzle in there. You get it all over my shoes. Because he was shaken. And I said, I bet you think this is a coincidence. And he knew it wasn't. It's what happens when you pray. It's what happened here. The third thing is that when you pray, you go to the victory side of the challenge. Look, here's your challenge. Have you ever had one of those challenges that no matter where you go, it goes with you? And even your friends know, you okay? You all right, John? And you tell them, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. <coughs> but we can, we can tell. 
because your challenge has got tentacles that's all over you. But you see, when you pray, you're transported to the future. And now you see your present like it's your past. And the circumstances haven't changed. But it seems like there's a way forward. You have just uncoupled yourself from the challenge. Look at the verse here. It says here in Matthew 26, at last he stood up. Do you remember when he went in to pray and he was stooped? And now it says he stood up because heaven's come into his soul. Come on, you're robbing yourself. You just sit in that chair for 15 minutes tomorrow morning before you get on that bus, train, plane, automobile or bicycle and say, God, I slept a bit late, but I got 10 minutes. I just want to tell you, I submit my life to you. I am a stuff up without you. What do you mean? I'm a son. I'm highly favoured. And all of a sudden, you're starting to see things different. See, people pass around and say to me all the time, well, how long have I got to pray? Till you can stand up. That's it. Sometimes that takes a minute. I literally have sat in that chair and it's been like, boom! And sometimes I've exhausted the time I have and I say, God, I'm going to come back tomorrow. And I'm just going to keep coming back. Keep coming back. Just keep coming back till I sense that that power of God and I'm, I'm, even when I said that power of God it's it's often not demonstrative it's just quietly confident it's the sort of power that when someone says we're looking for Jesus said oh yeah that's me <laughs> oh gee did I do that Steve Urkel did I do that <laughs> yeah you prayed careful what you touch mate you could get energized Oh, I'm here to tell you. I raised a man from the dead once. Have a look. I mean, seriously, look at me. Live with me for 10 minutes and you'll say you have no right to do anything good for God. But I'll tell you what I do do. I sit in this chair every now and again. That's not true. I sit in this chair every day. And I just allow the shaft of God's word to pierce and penetrate my heart. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, Hebrews 4 tells me. Hallelujah. It will divide soul from spirit. I was just preaching in church. Guy falls down. Oh, that's where he was sitting, but not today. All right. He was sitting over here, and I'm just preaching away, and his wife shouts out, and I think she's telling me to preach better and look after, and her husband's like... Now, I, I didn't take his pulse, but everyone thought he was dead, you know, and you'll, you'll understand he didn't fall asleep. You'll know that in a minute when I tell you what I did. But I looked at him, and I thought... What would you have done? You'd have gone, by the power of God, well, good job I'm here. Well, I didn't do that. I went, oh, flip. <laughs> oh, God, no. Because <laughs> I'm a human. Yeah. I didn't even have 15 minutes. I just said, God, help me. I'll be good. I'll be good for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and bang. I've got to be quick, but this is what happened. I, all I did was said, God, please, you've got to help me. I appealed to God. I said, it's not me. I surrendered my will. Heaven came into my heart. Listen to me. This happened. You're listening online. Two weeks.
weeks before this, someone came to visit my office. My dad used to be a preacher, but had long left the ministry for reasons I won't bother you with. But someone came to my office and they're talking to me. I'd never met them, but they said, are you Terry Kennedy's son? And it was my dad, someone who knew him when he was an evangelist. And so I was in, I said, oh, did you know him? He said, know him? I was in a meeting where he raised someone from the dead. Well, I didn't even know about the event, but apparently I was there and um, they brought it to me and I started to... I said, yeah, yeah, someone, boom, your dad jumped off the platform and, moo, alakazoo, alakazam, prayed, God, and the guy was restored to life. And I remember that day thinking, that's awesome. And then two weeks later, who would know that God had me two weeks earlier hear something that would become a source of faith for me? And so I had to go to the victory side of the challenge. And when I saw that picture, I said, God, oh, Philip, why me? Oh, God, I surrender. I've, I heard about this happening before. So I went down and I, I slapped him on the chest as hard as you, you could. If he was alive, he'd have punched me. I went, Jesus. And he went like this, look at me. He went. <laughs> I thought, you're not helping. So I took his wallet out and took all his money because he hadn't been tithing. And I thought, well, he won't need it now. <laughs> I'm just kidding to keep you awake at home. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Well, I wanted to, but I didn't. But I thought, I'll give it one more slap. So I hit him on the chest again and I said, I said, Jesus. And look at me. He went like this. He went, where am I? I said, look here, you can tell you're not in heaven. If this is what it's like in heaven, mate, you'll want to go somewhere else. <laughs> it's just what happens when you pray. You surrender your will to God. Heaven helps. And you go the victory shot. Acts 9.40, Peter's been asked to raise someone, come and pray for someone who's died. Her name is Tabitha or Dorcas. If you look up Acts 9.40, I'll tell you what it says, and you may never have seen this before, because it says Peter prayed. You know what it says next? Then turning to the body. See, that's the problem. We all want to stare at, we all want to stare at the problem and wonder why we can't get faith. No, you've got to pray, then turn. Have a look at John, Pastor Anna's got the Bible out. Look at John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus says to a group of men with a dead man in a tomb, move the stone away. And then it says he looked up. Why? Because you don't want to look in. When you pray, look up so you go to the victory side of the challenge. Then say Lazarus, come out. If I did, if my children were not serving God, when they're out, I'd change the whole room around. I'd put a Bible on their bedpost, pull the poster down. I'd have it all back before they got home. It's their space. But for the, I'd make that what I wanted to look like, and I'd be praying victory. I'm going to do the others in one and a half minutes. The fourth thing that happens is you overcome temptation. See, Jesus came out of prayer and the disciples are asleep and he said, why are you sleeping? 
Get up and pray so you don't give in to temptation. Look, every single person that went to sleep and didn't pray came short on that. They said, we'll stick up for you. Yeah, one of them cut a guy's ear off. Another one ran off into the dark naked. We know Peter denied him three times before the rooster crowed. But they all fell asleep at the time of prayer. And I've just found, and, and, and I'm not talking temptation to sin. I'm talking temptation not to fulfill your mission. God told me to buy a shopping centre one time, a shopping mall. And I said, you got the wrong bloke, mate. Who do you think I am? Kerry John Morgan. Get a bloke who can do stuff, not me. I'm one of 12 kids, mate. I've got seven sisters. You reckon I haven't been tyrannised? He said, just pray about it. Just, I, I promise you, Pastor Anna, I walked around that shopping centre hundreds of times, Isaac, telling God it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Till finally, I just felt I could stand up and I started to think, this could be me. It's a church of thousands this day. And yet it could, it maybe never happened if I'd have given into the temptation to be human and not get the shaft of heaven come into my soul. I've long moved on, the pastor there is doing a fun, in fact, he's the national leader of our whole group of AOG for the country. Yeah, he's got me to thank for that. <laughs> well, me, having visited, you don't know how brilliant you are. You'll need 15 minutes to find out how flipping awesome you are. And lastly, when you pray, you change. So Jesus went into prayer wanting other things to change. Please, Dad, can you change it? But none of that changed. The only thing that changed was him. The bloke who went in, needing a few friends to hold his hand, came out saying, hey, you, who are you looking for? Oh, Jesus, hey, that'd be me. He said, hey, 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 let them go. For... You got the guy you want, let them go. And that same Jesus hung on a cross within 24 hours and asked his father to forgive very unhuman. He asked his father to forgive the people that had just done these terrible things to him. That's a way to live. So I'm not here to tell you to pray. I just thought I'd tell you what would happen if you did. Springfield needs you to pray. DC needs you to pray. Your family needs you to pray if you're listening to me at home. Let's pray.